Welcome to episode six of season two of the Rap Writers Show, yeah. the show that no one asked for, where writers talk about rappers. Yeah. I'm Dan. I'm here with Eric, Reed, Manny, and our special guest, uh, Paul Cantor. All right. All right. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, thank you for joining us today. Um, I think you are a friend of Eric or an acquaintance of his. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Uh... I mean, I use the term friend rarely, but I, I consider him a friend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Colleague. Best buds. Yeah. I, I, when I see him, I enjoy talking to him. We've exchanged some deep emails before. Yeah. That's the only kind of emails that he sends. Yeah. Yes. Um, so tell us, uh, you were telling us off air that you've had a storied long career in, uh, in hip hop and music. So can you just kind of take us through how you got into the music industry and, and sort of a bullet point of, of where you've been? Uh, yeah, I mean, getting into the music industry, um, I began as a producer uh, when I was in college. Um, I had a studio with, um, you know, some friends, and we were just like hungry kids, you know, with a dream of getting into the music industry. Um, we... I'm from Staten Island. Um, you know, a lot of, like, we didn't really have uh, shit. <laughs> and, um, you know, we didn't have any real prospects of doing shit. Um, we were all pretty much, um, I mean, for lack of a better word, like, uneducated. Um, and <laughs> we just, it was like get rich or die trying era, maybe a little bit before that. And, um, you know, we had the ability to build studios sort of inexpensively. And so that was kind of how I got in, um, you know, uh, building like a small space and then just inviting rappers over. We would go out to the city, you know, um, parties, <laughs> nice. um, you know, meet people out. Yo, we got a studio, come back, you know, um, even though we were like far out in Staten Island. Typically, like people would come. What's the um, percentage of how many people are like, all right, I'll actually make that journey? 50%. Yeah. yeah um, you know, like if you were serious, you'd come. And then uh, my partner had a, a, like a job at a studio down on uh, 13th street um, that Ray Benzino. Uh, well, he was, he became, he came in as like a partner later on, but uh, actually uh, Robert Clavillis from a uh, CNC uh, music factory mm. was, uh, it was his studio. And, um, you know, he was like really popping, um, behind the scenes, you know, doing remixes and, uh, cause, um, he's a bit like, he still is like a legend in the dance music world. Um, and so he would always have, uh, tons of people coming in like Mariah Carey, um, you know, Whitney Houston, um, Shaggy, uh, the Fugees, um, all like big pop acts. Um, and then, then Ray came in, Murder Inc. came in. So we, we were just around all this, like, energy. I would just be there. I had a job down the street working for the city of New York. It was, like, an internship. Uh, it was the summer. I was, like, 19, 20 or so. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I, I, this is all I want to do. You know, I would, go, I would go to work at, like, 7, 8 in the morning. I'd get on the Staten Island Ferry. After work, I'd go to the studio. I'd be there to, like, 2, 3 in the morning go back to Staten Island, be like a four hour, uh, like going back to Staten Island is like a, takes like 
hour and a half. I get home, sleep like two hours, go right back to work. <laughs> um, and I would just, you know, the studio was like kind of in Union Square. My job was in Union Square and it was all this energy out there, all these people out in the street. And I was like, I just want to be here. You know, um, I, this is what I want my life to be. And that's um, kind of the the seeds. Yeah. At what point did you go from, it sounds like you were sort of on the music side, you were in the studio and you were at shows and, and putting on shows, stuff like that. At what point did you switch over to actually writing and to to the journalism side of music? Around then, I started writing um, right when I graduated college. Um, I uh, produced a beat for uh, Bonsu at Double XL, who was the music editor at the time. He wanted to buy, he was trying to get in the music industry and um, my manager knew him. Um, and he, I mean, it's a hard way to like, kind of like synthesize all these different data points that move into this story. Um, <laughs> but it was a lot of connections to Bonsu and like all types of things I was doing. I was really all over the place. I was doing like interviews for like all hip hop. Um, I was just trying to get in however I could. We had, you know, like the dudes from all hip hop made an album in our studio. You know mm. what I'm saying? So we were like all over the map, you know, um, like, uh, and then I, he wanted to buy a beat from me. He couldn't pay for it, you know, or he didn't want to. He was like, I heard you're a writer. Uh, why don't you interview this kid that I'm managing for all hip hop? I said, fine. And then, you know, he was like, when, when I went to do the interview, we did it at Juniors in, um, in Brooklyn. And he was like, do you want to write something for me? And it was kind of like his way of saying, yeah, I can cut you a check like this. And, you know, th th it was a, a door that opened and I, it was like whether I was going to pitch something or continue to do that was up to me. Um, and I remember I wrote a, a Master Ace review. Um, and I hadn't really thought about Master Ace in a long time at that point. Um, and, you know, I was like kind of trying to be more in like the contemporary music industry at that point. So it was like trying to sell a beat to 50 or whoever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm -hmm. I wasn't like thinking about Master Ace. Like I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't hanging out at like fat beats and shit, you know, like, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I had no disrespect to anybody who did that, you know what I'm saying? It just, it wasn't necessarily like, I wasn't super into like underground rap at that point. I was actually growing out of that, mm -hmm. you know, as I was into that at one point. But I was like trying to get this fucking money because, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have a job, you know, I was like trying to have a career. So, um, and, uh, that album blew me away. I was like, yo, this is like the best album I ever heard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, long hot summer. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was, and then I gave, I wound up giving him like a really strong review. And, um, I think we, he, he and I have since talked about that. Cause I, I think that review was kind of like a big look for him, you know, cause he was, you know, sort of off the scene, I suppose. And, um, Yeah. And uh, then I just kind of kept, you know, kept at it from there. Yeah. Take us through some of the highlights of uh, sort of favorite stories that you've written there or that you've worked on over the years. Um, I mean, most of my favorites have been like more recent. Um, I mean, the the one I really enjoyed, I wrote it like probably seven, eight years ago. I did like a story like on, frankly, like Pitbull and, you know, uh, the Black Eyed Peas and like, Flowrider, 
all that stuff at a time when literally nobody was talking about those dudes in any kind of way. Like, uh, in fact, they were more of like a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that because uh, for a couple of years, Pitbull became like, as, as a pop artist, like he became this massive artist. At that time, like he wasn't getting any attention or press or anything. He'd kind of been excoriated from hip hop. Um, and I liked the way he was moving. It was like, basically he gave up. He was like, you guys really aren't about shit. You know, I, you know, I'm trying to like have a career and he wound up making all these pop records. Same thing with Flo Rida. This is when the TVT records. After, uh, it was like after TVT, probably like 2009, 2010. Right. So the first phase of his career was kind of past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always liked Pitbull. I remember, even when he was yeah, on TBT. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I always liked Pit I always thought Pitbull was like a really I re, I saw Pitbull at the Mixtape Awards here 2004. Wow. Lil John brought him out and he fucking tore that shit down and I remember being like Yeah, I didn't really know who he was, you know, and um I thought he was really good, you know. I, I if you think about the other acts that performed that day, uh I feel like True Life performed. Oh, mm. True Life, yo. <laughs> um, I feel like Saigon performed. Mm. Um, trying to remember some other ones, you know. That was that was the mixtape award 2004. And then I, I remember the TBT stuff was pretty good. And I just thought it was like, I would go into like a bodega and every time I went in, I would go in at like 2 in the morning and they would be playing like Z100. Fucking Pitbull would be on. I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on here, you know? Then I was out in a club uh, at like a party, Angela Yee's party. She was having a birthday party. And I remember she had a party in the downstairs of a club and it was like terrible. And <laughs> um, no, no, no shots to Angela Yee. It was just, the you know, it was just like that time in urban music was really fucking bad. And I went upstairs and this was like when open format, you know, music was starting to like really take over like that DJ A-track style of DJing. Um, mashups, all that shit. Went upstairs in this club, and it was just like all fucking, all types of people going, but a lot of white people, but all types of people going fucking crazy to like Pitbull songs. (laughs) And I was like, yo, I'm just, something's happening here, and I'm missing it, you know? And and then I went and I did a story on that, and that that was a really cool one. Um, Where was that published? That was in a double XL. Yeah. And then I would like, I mean, I would go out like places and just people would mention that shit to me randomly, not knowing I wrote it. They'd be like, yo, there's like this crazy article about Pitbull. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, oh yeah, I wrote that shit. You know? uh, so that, yeah, that was, that was a cool one. Um, you know, last couple of years, I mean, I did like the last interview. I mean, probably he'll ever do is like Suge Knight's last interview, mm. uh, which was like in 2013. Um, this is was, before the straight out of Compton situation. That was before then, yeah, yeah. Um, and he hasn't done an interview since then. That was his first one in like ten years. And he was in Rolling Stone, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a big one. Um, I had a big one with MIA like a couple years ago, which he kind of talked about abuse and stuff like that. Um, you know, with like. Not to put him on blast, but you know things with like her ex boy. You know mm-hmm. people know who he is. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the last you know year or so, um, you know, 
doing a story on Combat Jack was um, a big one. And then uh, Jake Cole recently. Um, so those are kind of some of the, like, the faves. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We're going to link to this. Um, and I really need to read that Pitbull story. Sure, right? I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, so we're going to get into our first song of the night. Then we're going to get into our first topic. Read what song is this? I think it's Drake's song. The March 14th. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I made you introduce that after I chose that song. <laughs> that was fine. This is our only song we got. The March 14th. There we go. Yeah. Yesterday morning was crazy. I had to come to terms with the fact that it's not a maybe. That shit is in stone. Sealed and signed. She not my lover like Billie Jean, but the kid is mine. Sandy used to tell me all it takes is one time, and all it took was one time. Shit, we only met two times. Two times. And both times were nothing like the new times. Now it's rough times. I'm out here on front lines just trying to make sure that I see him sometimes. It's breaking my spirit. Single father, I hate when I hear it. I used to challenge my parents on every album, now I'm embarrassed to tell them I ended up as a co-parent. Always promised a family unit. I wanted it to be different because I've been through it. But this is the harsh truth now. Fairy tales are saved for the bedtime stories I tell you now. I don't want you worried about whose house you live at or who loves you more or who's not there. Who did what the who for you got here. Nah, look, I'm too proud to let that come between me and you now. Realize I gotta think for two now. I gotta make it. I better make it. I promise if I'm not dead, then I'm dedicated. This the first positive DNA we ever celebrated. I can't forget the looks on their faces. Got the news in Miami that now we all got ones that we raising. Tell Jello bring some mob rose and a baccarat out for our cheers to the next generation. All right, we're gonna get into our first topic yes. of the day, our main topic of the day. Um, kind of a response to and conversation about. The Times article uh, about a month ago, RIP the celebrity profile. I think everyone here has written a profile of an artist, a rapper, or someone that they admired or, or wanted to talk about. I think, Paul, you said he did a story on J. Cole very recently. Right. Um, so I guess in that article, one of the main things that jumped out to me was that access is the last thing that artists can hold on to in this kind of time and in music and journalism. Um, so just kind of wanted to open that up to you guys about your history with writing <coughs> profiles um, and why the celebrity profile is like the holy grail of writing. I think it's the holy grail because um, <clears throat> that's something that captures the mo the complete moment of what's happening now of within the artist's life. And so for new artists, it's like the tale of their life up to that whatever point in their life they're in. For more established artists, is more revolving around um, their evolution, and so it's just really interesting. It's a really scope, a really interesting scope into who the artist is behind the glitz and glamour type of shit. Um, but I think what's difficult, and especially when talking to older writers, um, that's been that did it before. I guess the blog ever started, they get vastly more more time than um, with the artists, and I guess that's a result of just like the internet happening and just more money like a profile if you get hit with like a profile you probably get like what depending on what the what it is if you're doing a shoot that comes first and then you may get like an hour to talk and like walk around or whatever or maybe you can finesse it and be like look i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm just stay with him and get like 
intervals with within um, within the within the artist's time, and eventually maybe doing like stopping here and there for some photos. Where before it was like you're spending literally quality time with the artist, um, and so that's I think that's one of the, the striking things when I talk to um, people who. Uh, writers who have been doing this for a way longer time than I am, they'll be like, yeah, like we used to actually be with the artist for a full day, like without a doubt, like right. or hours more, or days, days. Yeah. Like I've been with Wayne for a week, right. a weekend yeah, yeah. type shit. And so, um, so your job as an Instagram influencer, you're able to talk with young bands yeah, and hang out with them. Um, so talk about that. Like for younger artists, it's, easier because i mean it depends it depends on a lot of shit so for younger artists it could be easier but if they're like super high profile i.e cardi then it's a lot of just like i'm trying to catch it in different segments so for bands he i knew his team really cool really well and he didn't pop as big as like a cardi so i got to spend like literally hours with him like i was like hey just gonna talk to you here. I'll meet you up later. Talk to you there. Let's take some photos now. I'm talking to him when he's doing photos. I'm spending whatever time I can have. But with Cardi, is like shit. I gotta carve out this this 40 minutes. Make sure I got all my prep done, and try to get this. Try to get as much as I can within this within the time um, that I possibly can, and then figure out the photos. Um, I would yeah. say though to that point though it's like I, I don't know that the access to young artists has necessarily changed so much it's really the bigger artists who as they sort of progress and as they have a bigger platform more people that care about their exposure and things like that and a bigger team then the the kind of locks come in and they're just like I'm going to give you 20 minutes I'm going to give you 30 minutes and that's yeah. it so it's, it's just but it is it's some artists some young artists they build a wall with them right because away. the mysteriousness adds to their narrative that they want to control and so that's why social media is huge because essentially he can say whatever he wants without a third party capturing that he could just be like this is how i feel and this is what i'm going through and so sometimes they want to keep it as that because they can control that well instead of giving this writer x amount of hours with him and getting something that they may not want to be able to to show right to be fair though i would say with uh, there's like so many interesting things you could do with a young artist Mm. and really you're you're telling their initial story yeah but what you as a journalist i think or as just a person that loves stories you want to know why beyonce wrote lemonade 100 percent. you know you want to know about the elevator you want to know like all all the all that shit the deep shit the biggest shit you know um so I guess, Paul, for you, so you wrote about J. Cole recently, someone that's like really mm. anti-media, anti-press at, at points in his career. So how do you sort of broach that and be like, I want to talk about all the big shit in your career, but I don't want to freak you out necessarily. I don't want to go too deep, too fast. Mm. Pause. Well, he asked me to write that. He reached out to you. Yeah. So, I, I mean, just to be upfront about it, I, um, like, pro- um, I, our, I mean, I know him, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I mean, we're not like best friends, you know what I mean? Um, But we've had conversations, uh, very deep ones that have literally nothing to do with fucking music or anything, you know what I mean? And I, and so the seeds for doing that, even though they were not like, it's not like I, I, I did ask him to do something on him probably like two years ago, you know, um, and then over two years, I just 
we just talked about regular shit, you know, um, when he was on the road, you know, I had conversations with him, um, you know, he called me like from Australia, you know, we had a, like a long chat about something once. Um, so I would like talk to him periodically, like just about different things. And I had something I was doing like a live event that I asked him to do and he, he didn't want to do it. This album wasn't really ready for that live event. Um, at that time, I want to say that was like December. I, I talked to him, um, and he was like, yo, I'm working on an album. This might be perfect. I'm not, I'm not going to do any interviews. You, you, if you want to do it, you know? And I was like, great. And then he, then he was like, I'm not ready. And then I just forgot about it. I was like moving on with my life. Um, then he asked me, right. And I was like, yo, um, I'm not going to do it. If we can't like really do it, do it. You know, and so I spent like a week with him, mm -hmm. you know, in L.A. Um, like a blanket, you know what I'm saying? And I told and like I just said, I'm just going to be everywhere you are and just trust me. Um, like because I know you, I'm not going to I'm going to do what the fuck I do. You know what I'm saying? But I will. I know there is a level to which you're agreeing to do this. We've made a social contract. You know, this is not PR, you know what I'm saying? But I do know your level of like, of access, like that, that like if I, you didn't know me, where you'd be at. Sure. You know, so I was like, okay, you know, and I, I kind of kept that in mind. And I, um, there's a whole other J. Cole article that nobody's ever seen, you know, other than me, that, is way deeper than that shit. You know what I'm saying? That was published. That's like the real, 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 real story, you know, and it just got way too close to, you know, it's almost like he was really open, you know? Um, I think, I'm sorry if I'm talking too no, much. No, 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 no. It's um, fascinating. Go ahead. Uh, can you talk about what you tweeted about um, the part that got cut out with the shell casings? Oh, I mean, we were driving, you know, uh, every time I'm in L.A., um, I mean, the thing is, like, in that article, like, us driving through the mountains, that was my idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, we mm -hmm. got in the car, and he was like, yo, what do you want to do? I was like, uh, we were going to go play ball together, like, because he, there's like a downtown run in L.A., and we were, we were going to go play. And um, he was like, ah, my ankle, uh, my ankle's fucked up. Um, he had sprained his ankle playing ball in North Carolina and, um, he was like, I don't think I can play. What do you want to do? I was like, well, I don't want to fucking just drive around and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the same fucking carpool karaoke, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm just not into that type of shit. Like even with like be real with the, you know, where he smokes, I'm just not into that. You know, I was like, you know, I told him, I said, you know, you got to move. You got to do something, you know, like, because it's boring us just sitting here. Mm -hmm. And I told him that like days earlier, you know, before we even did this shit, you know, I was like, you, you know, the more you do, the more interesting this is going to be, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, uh, so I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's take a ride in the mountains. And then we went up and there was a shooting range up there. Um, and he passed the shooting range and I was like, he was like, yo, you could do that. And I was like, what? He was like, I was like, you shoot? And he was like, sometimes. Uh, and I was like, that's interesting, you know? And then 
we kind of was talking about how, you know, it's like there's divisive opinions on shooting ranges, you know, uh, oh, yeah, like, definitely. you know, and the it, Chief it, Keith thing. Yeah. And, and also just in, in contemporary society, Sorry, like yeah. people Being feel, and, and I'm not. like, and I, and I'm like, I sometimes talk about this with my wife because I only been to a shooting range once. And it was like the most fun shit I ever did in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's not like I like sit around thinking about guns. Like if I see a gun, I don't want no, no fucking part of that. I'm like, just move me to the opposite fucking space. Um, but you know, at a gun range, it does allow you to blow off some steam. And so it kind of like opened up a conversation about that, you know, and just how it's like is important. And I had originally written like, you know, something about that, about, um, it's better to go to a gun range and shoot a fucking gun than shoot the gun at somebody else because you can't shoot a gun at a gun range. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, these are like little things that we've created, you know, that can give you a little release, you know? Um, uh, I don't know. Some people hit a, a punching bag. Other people go for a jog. Some people go to a shooting range, you know? And that got taken out of the story. Oh, I mean, tons of stuff got taken out. I mean, Stuff with his, you know, son, you know, um, got taken son. out. He does have a son. Yeah, stuff with his son got taken out. Beautiful moments, you know, at them on set, you know. It was a whole piece of the article, like, from the video, you know, with him and the director, Scott Laser, working together, shooting the fucking um, ATM video where they had, like, built the big ATM. They had all these beautiful sets. I mean, he spent, like... 400 grand on that video, you know what I'm saying? Like, or something like that. Um, so it was, you know, it was a big production. I mean, for a rap video, like it was, it was a couple days, you know, and um, like I was pretty much there for the whole thing, you know, um, and watching him as a creative do that. And then also working with Kevin Hart and him and Kevin, you know, and they're Great back video. and forth. Mm. Yeah. The, the Kevin's Hart video. Um, you know, I, I interviewed Kevin, you know, um, there was nobody there, like, there was no publicist, you know, I had to go get Kevin and be like, yo, dude, Let me what's talk up, bro, to you. I, yeah, I need yeah. to talk to you. <laughs> even, Cole, even Cole didn't want to, like, he was like, yeah. yo, man, he's doing me a favor, I don't want to bother this motherfucker, you know, with about no interview shit, you know, like, because that's how he is, you know, he's like not a pussy person, you know, um, he's like, we went this far, I'm not going any further, you know, so I, uh, I had to grab Kevin and just, you know, go in his trailer. He, 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 you know, he had his son with him, his wife. He was going through his whole shit, mm. you know, mm. with the cheating and all that or whatever the fuck it was happening with him getting extorted, <laughs> you know, um, and that's what the song was that's about. Song. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Right. So yeah. it was like, it was super Perfect awkward. Casting. I'm like yeah, sitting yeah. there interviewing him <laughs> about this shit while his fucking wife is, his watching, wife is watching, you know, um, yeah. So, uh. I try to like when I work with somebody. Um, one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of work is is like I I could get more work. I was doing more stuff a couple of years ago. Is I only really want to do shit like that now. Yeah. You know I. Thumbs up from Eric Deep. <laughs> yeah, I only want to. I don't give a fuck about doing a six hundred word article. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? That yeah. shit ain't even gonna pay my phone bill. You yeah. know, like, um, I mean. Would I like the work? Yeah, I love it. You know, um, money is money. You know, it helps. I got a fucking mortgage, you know. Um, but it's the thing to sink your teeth into and actually, you know, tell, yeah, tell I, a bigger story. I, I mean, I was left, that shit had me pulling my hair out. Like, that was a 
tough story to write primarily because of, you know, when you're close, it's better to not be close with somebody. Mm -hmm. Then you can write whatever the fuck you want and have them just want to kill you and you don't care, you know? But frankly, he's like a text away. So it's like, you know, it's not that I'm trying to please him because I don't care that much, you know? I still have to do my thing and he knows that, you know? But, but, you know, when you are friends with somebody you have to kind of take that into account like yeah bro i know shit about you that nobody knows your own fucking everybody around you doesn't know this like you know um we have probably the closest relationship you know with respect to like confiding almost like a therapist would you know um i had to transcribe all those interviews myself like hours i mean like 20 hours of interviews you know by myself because he was just like dude you cannot have this audio floating around you Mm -hmm. know like we're talking about like heavy shit here you know about my personal life and um (laughs) you know even that was like a whole because i had like a little bit of a system set up with my two assistants uh, like where i was gonna send them the interviews each day almost like a fucking movie production like send me the interview back so i can look at it that I know what I have to do the next day. And, you, you know, he was just like, dude, you can't have this out there. Like, I don't trust anybody with yeah. the fuck we were saying, you know? And in hindsight, I get it, because um, I, <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't want that audio out there either. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think that's the state of, like, music profiles now? Like, you just have to have, like, a close relationship to get that sort of quality that you got? No, I mean, um, no, because I didn't have a, I know him 10 years, you know what I'm saying? I, somebody um, put something up today from like a video shoot. Me and him are in the fucking video together <laughs> <laughs> um, from 2009 or something, 2010. So I met him, I met him at his mixtape release party at uh, Le Poison Rouge here hmm. in New York. You know, I met him that day and I gave him my email address that day. I said, I'm going to send you some beats. And I sent them to him and he never fucking responded. (laughs) So you met him as a producer. Uh, um, Yeah, Yeah, I met him, you know, yeah, 2008, 2009 or something like that. So I know him all that time, but we've never been friends. And um, I don't even know. I mean, I I consider him a friend now. Yeah, I mean, we're cool. You know what I'm saying? Um, But... I don't, wouldn't say, like, I wrote a story on my friend, you know what I mean? Like, he's definitely just somebody, even Combat Jack, like, I know Combat, um, well, I knew Combat, um, he'd been in my house, you know, I'd have, I definitely had, like, deep conversations with him, I wasn't close with him, like, super close, you know, um, but we were close enough that if he needed something, which was what happened, uh, I, I could just, you know, he could call me and I'd be like, there, you know? Um, and also, nobody else was going to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, will I call? Well, you know, he just did a cover story, right? A billboard cover story, mm-hmm. right? She's pretty standoffish. And I thought you so you saw the way that went, right? Yeah. I mean, not No shots at anybody, but... It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, some people are good at this and other people are not so good, you know? Oh, yo, shit. Well, <laughs> you know, so. I'm going to throw this okay. out there. <laughs> but he, um, basically just looking at the idea that artists can sort of choose the way 
that they want to be written about. And not to say that he knew what you were going to write, but he could choose you, in a sense, to be the person that's going to spend a week with him in L.A. and give you that access because there's a trust, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we were talking about this off air, but we were talking about Drake, talking about the shop and him talking about the Kanye thing and sort of opening up about his kid and all these things that every journalist wanted a piece of, right? Like when, when all that shit happened, everyone wanted to talk to him about that. And he chose the platform to be like, I'm going to go with LeBron and Mav and we're going to be on an HBO show and we're going to be in a small room drinking wine and I'm going to tell them the way I want to tell them. So is that, I guess the question is for you guys, is that a good or a bad thing that artists can choose the way that they want to tell their truth as opposed to just being interviewed or being profiled and being almost like forced to tell their truth by a journalist? I think, I think it's, it's changed with social media in a lot of ways because like we were talking about before, but um, they have this platform now that they can project whatever their thoughts were. Um, so it, or whatever they have to face, what sort of issues they, or whether they have to comment on something, they always have this thing that they can do it themselves. So it's kind of a deal where um, they are, they're no longer forced to do it. To, they no longer need the access of journalists to, to talk to, to get their statements out and stuff like that. So I'm not sure they see the value in it anymore. And I think it could be good in some ways. I think probably it gives them final say and allows them to... to say things in their own in their own words and everything but they don't see the a lot of them don't see the value in having someone else tell their story and i think they're they're missing out on yeah. that in some ways yeah agree same yeah. you guys agree yeah i just think that like they can like it's like the like sports like you can have the power like it's just it's a player's era now where they have the power to do anything they want if they say i'm not playing for them they can legit force stay away off a team i.e on Kawhi leonard um, and so it is cool because in one instance, it's cool because they get to like bring in things to platforms that never happened before, i.e. Beyonce bringing in that 20 year old first black um, photographer to do the cover covers to shoot. That's beautiful. However, I had no ambition to read the story just right. because, because it's a Beyonce like as told to a journalist, but it's her own. Yeah, it's just uh, just I just I just I don't know. I just like objectivity from a reporter telling a story, telling a story about that artist. Um, but I do think it is your job as a journalist to develop those bonds because that can land you that, oh, okay, I know that person and I can trust that person as an artist. It's just human nature. Like, why would I go with Joe Schmo when I can go with the, someone that I've been familiar with for the last five to ten years, mm -hmm. you know? So that's fine. It's just to the fact that sometimes these things are just turned into... PR statements, mm -hmm. you know, that yeah. can be dangerous. Their agenda that they want to. Exactly. Yeah. Like the worst email you can get is like a PR. Someone's like, y'all have this amazing artist for you. Yeah. You get to interview this A-list artist, but you can want to talk about the album, um, his business ventures, the <laughs> signings. Snickers bar collab. <laughs> yeah. His <laughs> new toy coming out right. <laughs> and all this bullshit. Yeah. And be like, hey, you know he has a sexual assault case going on right, right now, right? That's yeah. ongoing. Hey, do you know he has such and such that's right. like happening, the fight yeah. that happened. Sure. There's something like, we can't just talk about the good. We need right. to capture the person because that's how you build fans. 
I remember yeah. like that's how I got interested in journalism or right. just in rap. Like I'm like, holy shit, I did not know that happened to Pac. Right. Fuck. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and that's how you connect with that person and, and their story. And, it's good yeah. to be it's okay to be it's okay to look human. Mm-hmm. And I feel like stuff is so hyper stuff is so just like so extreme. Like you gotta be perfect. And it's like, look, the people that makes the most money and the people that has the most fan base are people that just like, fuck, I can see myself in that person. Yeah. And yeah. so Sometimes it's a balance. Yeah, yeah but uh, I mean, like, uh, with regard to, um, you know, the Beyonce thing, who I know, you know, uh, the girl, uh, Clover, who, um, oh, yeah, Clover you know, did, you, you yeah. Know, did, great. did the uh, As Told to. Um, I mean, who really gives a fuck what the fuck Beyonce <laughs> yeah. has to say? Like, That's probably I mean, was a bad like, example. Like, like, let's, just, like, let's just be real. Like, yeah. like, I mean, I fucked with that article, the R.A.P. Celebrity Profile and yeah. all that shit, you know. But it's like, I don't need to fucking read another article on like somebody I've read. Like Beyonce has been profiled like a yeah. bunch of times, you know, like the, it, you know, um, people just need to work harder. Like, you know what I'm True. saying? Like, you know, there's like an era of celebrity journalism that it's like, all right, you don't get the access mm-hmm. and do a different type of fucking story. You know what I'm saying? Like make them want to give you the access, you know? The reason why all these fucking artists, this is my takeaway, right? Because um, like, even Kanye, right? He did um, uh, the yeah, interview with he, he did an interview with the Times, right? Yeah. With John during uh, Wyoming. Yeah, like these dudes all want articles. Drake wants a fucking article. Mm-hmm. They just don't think anybody's gonna go in and do a good job, mm. right? So when they see somebody that is gonna give them the depth that they want. And reveal and create a portrait that accurately represents them. They will do it. You know, you just have to talk that shit to them and show them something that they like. I don't think a person like Cole asked me to do it because we're cool. He's cool with a lot of motherfuckers. He thinks the shit I do is good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, I know because he said that to me. He's yeah. like, "Yo, bro, you're like." legit you know yeah. what i'm saying and i didn't like, mean like, to diminish is, like yeah. the reason why you did that story no no I, I i but but the the thing is there's like a um across the board there's a decrease in quality you know people yeah. are just yeah. not working hard enough on sure. their pen oh, game yeah. yeah you know they're not capturing you know enough like the artists get burned you know what i mean like right. Nicki Minaj not gonna do a new york times story actually i think she did roxanne gay did, did, did that did that thing on her um, which was all right, you know what I'm saying? But she did one a couple of years ago where she kicked the writer out, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, was, was that W Magazine? <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, it was New York Times. New York Times? Yeah. yeah. Um, New York Times I Magazine, that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The T. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that, yep. that, the, the, the <laughs> girl who wrote that, um, Vanessa Grigoridis, she has a Greek last name that I'm not that sure how to pronounce, but, um, She's a great writer, you know what I'm saying? I just, I don't know that, you know, I feel like maybe she was, just Nikki was just like, they sent the wrong person in to do yeah. it. And you this know, wasn't that day. They, yeah. they all want New York Times, you know, the mm-hmm. big looks, and just those brands, respectfully, don't have enough people, you know, who talk the language to go in and do it, you know? Um, and then they do send in, 
you know, like a, I mean, I got a lot of fucking opinions about this, right? I mean, they do send in like a, like, there's like a, a list of like 10 people, you know, that just rotate, you mm-hmm. know, and there it's like a media circle jerk, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and you know, it is what it is. Like they pass each other work and you know, it's like, it's a check, you know, but I mean, is the work, you know, popping, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, to that point of like, you know, it makes all these magazines want to have a big look. I guess this like kind of new state and I'm thinking about Manny and I, I'm sure well familiar, but Odell, when he went on ESPN and Mm -hmm. he kind of gets like weirdly led into saying he doesn't really want to be on the Giants anymore. Does the current state of sort of journalism make these big brands more desperate when they do get Odell in the room? Or when they get Beyonce in the room, or when they get Nikki in the room, or when Rolling Stone gets Drake finally for a cover, are are they more desperate to sort of create this big headline, big story, because they just don't know if they'll get the access again? Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I would oh, yeah. say so. Yeah, yeah. The Odell and Wayne shit, like a lot of that was because Odell was talking shit on the Giants, and then Wayne. That was the only interview where Wayne actually like talked about why he wrote this suicide song. Like there are other. Like, Elliot tried to do it, and, like, other people tried to do it, but he didn't say, like, I wanted to get this off my chest. Like, that's a quote that, like, no one got. And they, and an ESPN, you know, broadcaster got it. And that kind of shows, like, the state of rap journalism right there. Like, But I think it's also, that, like, Wayne has said in the past, all he does is watch ESPN. Yeah, yeah. I think he yeah. loves, you know what I'm like, he just like, loves that place. Yeah, like, yeah, he, he just... song about PTI yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, like, all he does is watch ESPN, like... I mean, the reality of it is, you know, like there was a period of time where um, the, the like, for lack of a better term, I, I, I hate the, the word urban, you know, so I don't even know what the fuck that means, but. <laughs> the worst word ever. But like the urban world of, of magazines, like it was popping, you know, like, and then it sort of disappeared. And um, these guys didn't want that look anymore. You know, like Jay was like, I don't want a double XL cover and they, and the, the, then they kind of like started getting those other looks and that kind of created a, uh, set a precedent of just like, we don't want the black audience or whatever. I don't want to go on BET anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't want to sit on the one Oh six and park couch and then like one Oh six and park, like, or whoever they kind of like be like sort of dumb themselves down. So it was like two things going in two opposite directions. You know, one got really gossipy, the other's trying to go like highbrow, because like they're all in like brand world of like how can we position you as like a like a blue chip artist, you know? Um so it's like kind of a a weird thing, you know what I'm saying? Where where two things are going in two separate directions. Um and now the the big media outlets are reaching back. Because black people are cool again, mm-hmm. right? They're like, oh, we need black writers and like, yeah, diversity and fucking hashtag whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, black girl magic or whatever is popping right now, you know? And they're like, find us a black writer. This is not even just in magazines. This is like in television and fucking film. Mm-hmm. You know, insecure, it's popping. We need more black shows. Uh, Donald Glover, find us the next Donald Glover. It's like a. It's like a goal rush, you know, to find the next black creative, you know? And it's like, where the fuck have you been for like 15 years when people were 
you know, starving for this shit, you know, when that whole urban, again, in fucking air quotes, scene kind of died, you know, there was no money, and it was like, oh, a bunch of people had to get killed, and it had to get put on Facebook, and, um, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter thing, it had to become a mainstream thing for you to be like, maybe we should get a black person to write this fucking story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's fucking crazy, you know? <laughs> and, and I think that's, I guess I bring back my uh, my thoughts on the Beyonce thing because I, like I said, I appreciated the black photographer and I also appreciated that it was Clover for Vogue, but I was just like, man, I don't know if I'm going to learn anything new. I think that's the aspect I'm missing for from profiles is just like learning something that I didn't know before about this superstar. And um, that's the only thing that makes me sad sometimes. You just read something and just be like, I just, just read a recap of, of just like. I just last, read their press release. Yeah, last last year. Right. Um, well, yeah. Uh, all right, we'll jump into our next section of the show. Uh, deep thoughts with Eric Deep. <laughs> I, I don't know how it relates. Do you want to set it up? What we've been talking about. It really doesn't relate to profiles, but it, it is about sort of this discussion of mental health and hip hop, um, and just kind of how, how how I'm feeling. Nice. October 10th was World Mental Health Day. I shared a private way. message with yeah, my friends from like... back home in Oregon. I have been in a dark place lately, and I felt that if I spoke my truth on a social platform, it would make me more comfortable to seek help, knowing that it was out in the universe. My crush DM'd me and thanked me for sharing something so deep and personal, which was nice. The only details I'll share is I wanted to feel happy again. Depression and anxiety are common struggles for creatives, and these are things I deal with too. Discovering the root of the problem is a long process, and that journey can be filled with roadblocks if you aren't constantly willing yourself on to get better. This morning, one of my friends texted me and wrote, How we living, baby? I was just thinking of you. He wanted to check in on me for no real reason, and I can't tell you how good that feels for someone who often internalizes pain. After telling him how I was doing, he wrote, You are in a dark place, and you are waiting to get hit with the confidence and self-belief to take you to the good side. But it doesn't work like that. The self-doubt is there. It's not going away. But you just have to do the thing anyway, and that's the conduit for change. The thing is finding what makes you combat your demons. Is it meditation? Is it exercise? Is it cooking? Do it all. Change is fucking scary, but it is necessary to grow. People change apartments. People move across the country. You start a new lease on life because change is good. It breaks the cycle of bad habits so you're not spiraling to the second place with no way of returning. There's a lot of post-apocalyptic news going on that can bring you down. Trump and Kanye met in the Oval Office. Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande split after their engagement. And apparently, we have 12 more years on this earth until shit really hits the fan with climate change. We can normalize mental health discussions in hip-hop and other circles by talking it out with our peers more. Go check on that friend you haven't heard from in a while. Tell your parents you love them. Tell your boyfriend or girlfriend that you're happy they are in your life. Find those moments of light and stay close to it. You'll be as bright as the star you were born to be. Nice. God damn. That may be the best one. You think so? Yeah, that may be the best one. <sighs> that one, that one, I felt that in the, in the spirit. I'm going to call my nephew and just leave that as a voicemail. <laughs> You're bright as the star you were born to be. <laughs> I like that advice too, Dan. That was nice. What? 
The advice, the text advice. Oh, that was a. That wasn't me. That, that was. was, oh, that was <laughs> I would never say that. That was a special friend. Like that. Oh, that's a good advice. That's a good friend. Shout I would to never that. say that. <laughs> Shout out to that friend. I would never support you like that. Uh, that was beautiful. So, uh, well, um, how are you feeling now? Like the second. Oh, um, I feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. I just like you know sometimes you just gotta have to like put it out there you know. Sure. And then you 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 feel better and yeah I feel better. Yeah. Is that the truth, or are you just? <laughs> That's the truth. That's good. That's good. I'm just gonna throw this out there real quick. I feel like this is a very modern thing because the more and more people I talk about it um, relate to it. That everyone I know has like mood swings, like by the minute. That's all the truth. day, <laughs> every day. Mm. Do you guys experience that? And do you know people that? Because I, I feel like that can't have been a normal thing forever. I feel like that's a very modern. Mood thing. swings like, like from hey, happy to sad shit, to no, confused. No, you're always good. <laughs> I think right. that I think that's a modern thing. Uh, um, and I think that there's a lot of things that people do to influence that. Mm-hmm. First of all, most people right off the rip don't have, um, they don't eat right. Mm, so, oh, yeah, yep. they, um, I just wrote something about this the other day about I, I really have tried to dial back how much caffeine I'm consuming. Like caffeine literally will make you fucking insane. So if you have like five cups of coffee a day, you miss one cup, you'll be really irritable, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And you have a cycle, you know, just like a sleep cycle, you know, where in different times, you know, like, I don't know what time you guys get up, but you know, (laughs) like in the afternoon, you get that little like, shit, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, it's like four in the yeah, afternoon, yeah. you're like, I yeah. think I'm due for a nap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you, your moods are like that as well, you know? Um, you're not really that dissimilar from a baby, you know, where you need to rest at certain points. And if you're not, and something is, you know, pressing on you, you know, like, I mean, all day, not to get too fucking deep with it, but all day you're... You're receiving messages, you know, Mm -hmm. you have little things pressing on your brain, Mm. you know, you see something, it sends a a message to you. So we're sitting there, we're eating poorly, you know, we drink a thousand fucking, uh, you know, grams of caffeine a day, which plays with your head. Yep. We eat a lot of food that, you know, um, is not that healthy for us. Sometimes just the feeling of being a little full can give you a mood swing, Mm. you know, where you're like, feel like shit. You don't know why you're like, fuck, I just ate too much, you know, that's one thing. Um, and then we're sitting on our phones, you know, accessing information that's sending signals to our head. Trump did this. Then right under that, some girl tweeting, you know, about some dude, you know, and then right under that, somebody like living my best life with a photo of them like <laughs> on a fucking island, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's, it's like, lot, it's, yeah. it's like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's, True. you know, that's a whole bunch of information that yeah. has no synergy, you know? True. And of course you're going to look at that, you, you know, and be kind of like confused, you know? Yeah. And so now just, if you put the phone away, you're used to getting that information you're used to getting that little boost and you don't get it you know and then you have like a little mood swing you're like you feel sort of irritable yeah well put i know i'm like i'm glad in hip-hop that we're talking about it more but i think that there just needs to be maybe a more in-depth conversation about it like what can we do to sort of help each other 
kind of get into, you know, a better space, you know? Because there's a lot of people who talk about it, but I feel like they're just talking about it because it's a trend and not really, like, finding solutions for it. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's kind of surface level. Well put. I mean, um, you're right, though, in that it's cultural. I mean, for me, I never... I'm a little older than you. I never even, like, the word depression had never came into my life. Um, I never thought of it. I didn't ever think of therapy, you know, about anything. Like, it was, I could have had the hardest life ever. And it just, um, or the easiest, you know, whatever, e either way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Problems are problems. And just the way I was raised, nobody ever was like, go to therapy. Like, I remember my mother dying. Nobody was like, you should talk to somebody. It was just like, your mother died. You know, deal with that how you deal with it. You know? Um, it wasn't until really, like, I got around some people who were frankly a little more affluent, you know what I'm saying, than I was, you know, where it was like, that was like a part of their life. Like, you should really talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Like, who the fuck can afford that shit? You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right, yeah, you know, that's like, right, kind of where I am too, yeah. Yeah. And then also just, you know, places you come from uh, where you don't um, share a lot, you know, you bury a lot. It's like you just move on. You know, the whole idea is like you don't even focus on the past. You know, you just like it happened. Yeah. What, what are we doing today? Mm -hmm. What are we doing tomorrow? How much therapy do you think Trump has done? <laughs> <laughs> How much self-analysis do you think he, you think he's like ever been in a therapist like, you know, this one time I went bankrupt and, you know, like it really made me feel down. <laughs> really <laughs> like, <got me laughs> bummed out. Um, That's a good segue. <laughs> on that note, let's get into our, our last section of the show. It's called Good or Bad, where we play songs and the group responds to them and says if they are good or bad. Make sense? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll start with mine. Uh, I just want to surprise you guys. Let's just play it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh good Lord. <laughs> But I ain't in that though. What I am is I'm criminal with syllables and pronouns. Watch how it goes down. Yeah, my whole sounds profound. Freestyle with sway, you would think I was a pro now. And it's pronounced Shia LaBeouf. I'm flying high and high ain't enough. I am above, cut from steel. Boy's real, iron is tough. I kill the five fingers sway, five ain't enough. Nah, but 10 might do. Hip hop used to be fertile, now it's Timbuktu. Where'd the spitters go? Garbage little shit they wrote, miss me with that little bow Cause bigger individuals committed to these principles Is living on their tippy toes, sinking with the hippies hope Consider them the missing throats Talking those who gave it all got passed over Rap's over when you gas up the fast forward It's dumb now, it's trash rapping in October Who wrote what for who? It's all so below par, substandard Used to be a litmus If you didn't write your own shit, you got dismissed Been through that now it's kiss kiss with bang bang I came to do my thing man It was written Get coke this the shipment Jewish pop to this music with a twist of Whitman Women I'm the shipment Get the business Mint condition But I'm married keep your distance Treat these ladies fair like I'm Henry Higgins This the shipment This a stitch in time I got fire I can realign your spine man hey, <laughs> Love that fire line uh, re Realign your spine <laughs> Uh <laughs> I was pretty impressed by it when it dropped. I remember he, uh, there's a couple of videos floating around at that time of him freestyling. Mm -hmm. I remember he just like, he did a freestyle at a, a music festival and it was a, it was just a verse by Cage. That, mm, that's right. <laughs> just like a whole verse by Cage that mm -hmm. he was just belting out. 
It's impressive when I'm always impressed when somebody can go off the top of the head like that for that long, even if it's like relatively good. Like yeah. it's good for him. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not enough. in the grand scheme, like yeah. compared to other rappers, but for what it is. Eric. Shia LaBeouf is the fit god, but he is not the rap god. Nope. Mm. <laughs> okay. I like it. Quietest hot take I've ever heard. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. Someone referenced that to me this weekend. And then I watched it again and I was like, that's kind of dope. And like, he just goes, he just keeps going. And then by the end of it, it's like, he just fucking like won a marathon or something. He's just like, I did it. Holy shit. I didn't even know I could do that. I did it. So I appreciate that. And then Sway is very excited too. It's fun to see Sway get excited. Yeah. Paul? Um, I was waiting for Manny. Oh yeah. I was almost, <laughs> I think the key word is I appreciate it just because he's not a rapper. And so for him to go off top of his head like that. For that long, I was like, "Oh, this is cool." If I was high. I think this would be fired. Mm. Also, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> the Walt Whitman reference. <laughs> I thought it was great. I mean, yeah. um, who raps? Like, like, <laughs> like who, who are you comparing them to? Like fucking, exactly. like Lil Uzi Vert or somebody? Like, like, yeah. like I no, think um, just. I mean, I remember like we would have this conversation like about Kanye. You know, people would be like, Kanye's he's not a rapper. I'd be like, have you listened to rap lately? You know what I'm saying? Like, fucking Soldier Boy is popping. He mm. his song is like, I saw someone reference it today. He he's popping off a song. It's like, yeah, bitch, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like that's the whole song. You know, so what? That's acceptable, but Kanye's bad. You know, so I think that's great. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it's clear he was he once like wanted to be a rapper you know um which everybody has mm. you know what i'm saying like rap is the great the great um folk art of the 21st century mm. which is that you don't need anything more than a pad and a pen and the idea you know or the desire to express yourself yeah. you know which is if you went back a hundred years and you know every blues song is literally the same fucking blues song it's the same you know, chords, the same arrangement, and people just say the same story and same shit over and over, you know, and uh, anybody could do it, you know, it's like Willie Nelson, I think, said, which he stole from somebody else, whose name I can't remember, three chords and the truth, and that's, you got a country song, and hip-hop is like, bars, that's all you need, you know, <clears throat> so, I fuck with Shia LaBeouf. Nice. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into the next one. Uh, Lil Wayne featuring Kendrick Lamar, Mona Lisa. This is Paul's selection. Nice. I got a story to tell, you know that I cherish this. Hope it ain't too many feelings involved. I see niggas in this bitch starting popping bottles, getting drunk. With these bitches, and when they leave, they get followed. Fall asleep with that bitch, and really don't know much about her. Then she let us in, we take all of your shit. And when you wake up, she help you try to find it. I love her. I be with bitches, that be with bitches, that be with niggas with riches. I tell her, get him. She said, I got you. I say, no bitch, I say, get him. And they so pretty, and they had lengthy. He hit it and sleep on her titties. 
And she give us the word, we come through with eight kids. It's a stick up, she scream like a victim, like you. Feeling so silly, I smoke color purple. I'm up in here feeling like silly. Ooh, nappy as dress. What's that you say? Watch your mouth, Millie Vanilli. Ooh, you can get snakes, you can get fakes. I'll buy the bitch that you feeling, cause you thought she was an angel. That bitch ain't no angel. I treat her halo like a frisbee, and you tell her your business, she tell me your business. You tell that bitch what you feeling. All of the beans you be spilling to you, she like through her tea cow with his feelings. She know where you had it, tell me where it's hidden. She know when you gone, tell me. When the visit, we breaking your home and take the specifics to me while the bitches on vacation with them so she don't get blamed. We don't snatch chains, we find out addresses and we don't leave messes. You'll only know that it's gone when you check it. Then your first thought is to start second guessing. She say what's wrong, he say nothing, keep resting. She say what's missing, how you know something missing? He scratched his head, she say get back in bed and she gave him some head, but you can't trust them bitches. Then she say, Ooh, right? <laughs> and so, um, beyond like the the verbal. Gymnast, gymnastics, whatever you want to call it, on that song. Uh, what I like about it so much is that the topic matter is kind of played out. It's like the kind of she-devil girl who will stab you in the back. Um, but the fact that they're so good on it, Wayne and Kendrick, they can make it seem like really original and fresh. I think Wayne, I think my favorite line is where he talks about her having a halo and he takes it off and throws it like a frisbee. Mm-hmm. I think that line's really dope. And yeah, no, that is like the centerpiece of the album in terms of uh, lyrical ability, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shadow Infamous, man, he produced that. Um, I don't get the the conversation on Twitter where they're, they're saying all Kendrick verses are really bad. I, I don't know. It's a hot take. Mm. They, they all, like, there's so many people that say Kendrick does not need to be on guest verses anymore. And I'm, I'm like, you guys not listen to this song? Like, this song's great. I think it's great on the song. I think it's great on all yeah. features. Um, what's dope to me about that song is like how every artist says like, yeah, it's a concept album and it's like never a fucking concept album. <laughs> it's just a fucking album. And that song is like a great concept song and they like sell it all the way through from the hook to the verses and it's like, it, it just works. It's riveting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my take. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I like it because... Um... I don't know, man. You don't really hear a lot of storytelling records anymore. You know, that that used to be, I mean, if you go back to the, really the history of hip-hop, even, um, even if you go back to, like, Rapper's Delight, um, I I forget who has the verse on there, but it's like, you know, a story about going to somebody's house and getting food. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, Like, that's just such a, you know, an oral tradition of, like, you know, telling a story, and that used to be, um, I happened to just see Slick Rick perform at um, Sony Hall, and uh, he did, um, I think, Children's Story. <laughs> I was like, this was like a hit record in his time, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, he's telling this whole story. So, um, all you know, it's not that, um, the record is good. I mean, it's not like a hit single or anything like that, you know, but I just like that they attempted to do it, you yeah. know, and um, that's uh, like a thing that is not in vogue. You know, nobody really does it. I mean, J. Cole did it, right? I mean, uh, For Your Eyes Only, it's like, oh, the whole fucking album is a story, you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, it's not it's not done well if people do do it, so, sure. mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Kendrick does it, I mean, on his album, yeah. um, you know, he has he has a, a handful of songs you know that are that are like that which is why he's on this record you know 
Um, so yeah, and the beat is hot, right? Yeah. I mean, it just has everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. The beat is fire. They're they're doing it in a way where it's like really interesting, you know, um, just doubling up on all these words, um, and it really just shows somebody like totally flexing. Um, completely like I've mastered fucking rapping. I'm basically like Cool G rap times fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> no shots at Cool G rap, who's like the greatest rapper of all time. But um, you know, Wayne is clearly like moved into that you know level. Yeah. Um, cool. Let's get into Gene Doe. Songs Do Rag. Is this your song here? Cool. I'm kicked off flipping the channels. I never liked the metal. Girl, my take up for a bezel. They think I'm fucking on a jeweler cause my diamonds is wetter. I'm all on this weekly schedule. I pulled up shining so he peeped ahead. The niggas with it. I don't call a nigga daddy. He can't never check me. I might fill up the silencer. Don't ever disrespect me. These beats will dissent. Hold on, tweak. I keep that disinfected. And when you least expect it, I count them lethal seconds. You misinformed since I was born. I bring the street with legends. Don't misinformed. It's expensive. You gon' lease my presence. I need the lawns just like Britney. Go back to the future Keep him on ice And if he slipped in it's back to the cooler Don't miss your beat Unless you heard Boo drop PT like Cruiser I got the lips of a goddess In my head on my Medusa Pull off in that ghost Give him hope Get that hallelujah Niggas give me mouth Give me stroke He got big kahunas Niggas from the south From the north They all got bazookas And they want my fusion But they will reduce it Bust that pussy open But don't give it up to losers My kid up off a room But don't spread that shit no tune. Good I don't, I don't know anything about SMC But um I like I like her. Uh, her delivery kind of reminded me of somebody like Valet in that it's mm. soft spoken, yeah. but it's still like really intriguing. So I thought it was dope. Yeah, I chose it because it kind of does. If you guys are familiar with the Vali flow, like it's that's kind of what it is right now. Um, she's actually covering or like remixing Z Money's Do Rag. Um, he kind of raps like that too. Z Money's fire. Yeah, so she's she's from Chicago. Um, she has another record called Energy that is just like totally different from this. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of like the contrast that she's able to do like this, like, you know, Chicago rappers can do this like bar for bar shit. And I really like that. Um, yeah, I, I like the record. How did, how did you get hip to that? <laughs> uh, Kalani. <laughs> she was tweeting about it. <laughs> nice. Oh, that was dope. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was yeah. good. What, what what you said she has this other record. I mean, what is that? Is that like more uh, like Yeah, it's called Energy. It's like um it's like dancey, you know, yeah. kind of like a kind of vibey. It's just it's like very summer, different it's like from a summertime this. record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's dope. She directs on videos too. Like she's super talented. Um and she did shit with Social Experiment too, right? Yeah. Like she's um she's super talented. She's like one of those people that's like does a lot. With um, its, uh, I think she works with Saba too. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she directed Saba one of Saba's videos, and then somebody else's video in Chicago. What is in the water in Chicago that like every <laughs> every single person, uh, like a person could be like six years old in Chicago and like, yo, I directed this video. <laughs> I'm working with Kanye. Like, you know, he flew me out to fucking Calabasas. Like, what, what is up with that? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they got good energy though. Like, I'll say that. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's get into. Manny Science, uh Belly, what does it mean? Yes. Is that right? Yep. Right. I was on the black clouds. Even stayed down when they left me in the background. Feeling like I'm trapped now. Mama didn't know she was living in the trap house. Those stones from your glass house. Pops got a lot, gotta hug them through the glass now. They said I wouldn't last. How am I still here? It's gotta mean something. 
It's cool. I like the the little saxophone. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like, yeah, like Pete Rock, something. Um, it was cool. I couldn't really tell what he was getting at. Uh, it was like maybe a little too polished for me. Felt like it's like supposed to invoke a mood, and it was a little too direct about it. I don't know. I thought it was cool. It didn't sound like you like it. That was cool, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Belly on the Hook? Yeah, that was Belly on the Hook. He was uh, not recognizable. <laughs> but yeah, he sounded good. Um, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't, Belly just never does anything for me. Uh, and I was on board with that little sax, mm. sax thing. Uh, great instrument. Great instrument, and then it just <laughs> con- and then it just continued to do nothing for me. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he either sounds too like raw or too polished, and I just it never. I'm never sold. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, like that was fire. Um, I mean, he's got a lot of buzz now off off yeah. this new record. Like, um, I don't want to get too long winded, but I mean, like I remember my boy Neville from Toronto came to my house. I had a house that was a studio, 2006. He brought Belly's mixtape, his first mixtape, Death Before Dishonor. And, like, he was just hustling back then, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what the fuck he was doing, you know, but he kind of had it popping up there. And it's been, like, many years of him kind of just, I feel like, just grinding. And this is really the first time I've seen people, like, talking about him in, like, a serious way, where Mm -hmm. they're, like, like, um, there's about to be like belly think pieces and shit, you yeah, know, yeah, which no, there, I, there never are. Yeah. Never. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Never. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's about to have a moment, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, um, I think that's great. I mean, like that record is hot, you know, like the beat is good. He's, he's, you know, doing his thing on it. He's obviously been behind the scenes writing for other people, like, mm-hmm. he knows what the fuck he's doing, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, it's just a matter of, like, when is he gonna make something that, you know, really connects, he's an older guy, I mean, I think, I mean, he's gotta be, like, 35 yeah. at least. I interviewed him in 2011, he's, he's pretty old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he's been at it for a minute, you know, um, what is his background? Is is a uh, racial Palestinian? Palestinian. Yeah, he's from the Middle East. Yeah. I Middle feel East. like, I feel like a lot of what might hold him back <clears throat> or has been is that mm-hmm. is that you know frankly he just looks like a person that people in america are not receptive to you know what i'm saying like brown people in america where is the representation for that in 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 um hip-hop and like contemporary pop music his name is nav 
Yeah, but even I mean, Nav is like. I don't even think Nav, like, for as good as his, re- like, he has some records I really enjoy, mostly because they're so fucking ignorant. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I don't know what the fuck he's on. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just comes, it's just like, what is the craziest shit I could say? <laughs> you know, like, he'll have a hook about, like, sticking a finger in somebody's ass or something, like, and that'll be, like, the chorus. And I'm like, <laughs> like, damn, bro, this is definitely not getting on the radio. <laughs> Um, but I mean, he's still like a niche artist to me, you know? Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I feel like that has held belly back a little bit, you know? Um, so it's nice to see him. I mean, he's also not American, you know? I'm yeah. I, I would say that immigrant project is pretty good. I mean, that Meek record's dope. Um, uh, what else is good on that? I honestly, I haven't heard the whole thing yet. I think there was sort of. So there's just so two takes. So one is the song. I picked the song because I was playing um, new release on Spotify, and then on I was on the phone with my mom because usually during the I like to listen to music on the weekends during the day while I'm going through stuff. I'm not going while I'm just doing like shit, and so and so so something like stops me. You know what I mean? Like so if something stops me, I'll be like, oh, let me oh let me, let me pay attention to this, and so. I was on the phone with my mom and talking about like some situations I was in. She was like, she was literally saying like, "Look, you never know, like shit just to be happening now that you probably be love that it happened later down the line." So she's giving me this stuff, and I'm hearing it in the background, and I'm just like, "Yo, what is this song that's hitting me, hitting my soul right now?" <laughs> and then it was Belly, and so I laughed because Belly's someone that like I really enjoy because in the beginning. I did not care about his music whatsoever. It just sounded like a, a like a hodgepodge of just everything else that's happening, and so I, I just couldn't figure out who this like. Like I was like, what is this dude sound? But he was interesting because of his story. Like he's been grinding. He's been in the music scene since like I want to say twenty two thousand six, and been like yeah, going that, at that it. That tape came out in two thousand five. Writing like writing like and that, then that, that like death before dishonor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been grinding, and then he's been put down because he's probably because a lot of race stuff, probably from Toronto shit, um, linked up with Weekend, and he's been grinding, writing all this stuff for years. Finally, he got a break, and when he had the hit record, then he got signed for um to Rock Nation, and I would say every project he's gotten better. And I so appreciate that for him. I think I really became a Belly fan when I was listening to Nipsey Hussle. And he did Double oh, Up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Double That's Up. That's one of my favorite songs that video. of the year. And I was like, yo, this dude, on a, that's him on a hook. I'm like, he's, like, his, from where he was at to do that, I was like, that's crazy. That's someone who, like, this is his life. This is his craft. I remember talking to him, like, off camera. He was like, bro, I'm in the studio. Like, I'm just trying to do whatever I can to make myself better. I really enjoy this and love this. And so I so appreciate that. So I do. So now, like, I want to listen to Immigrant. And I'm like, I want to. And this may be his time because you said it perfectly. There's not a think piece out on him. Just because it feel like he was like the guy from Toronto who's cool with the weekend. There's just nothing. And now he's cool with Coke Boys. Yeah. It, just, it was just nothing. I don't know. It was just nothing that stood out for him. But then if you just, if you look at him and get your story, this may be his moment. And it may be because of the, and it, it, everything seems to be clicking now. And he's making the best music he ever had. He's about to probably got the most interesting, um, like, I'm not look, but like, he gets, he's in the most interesting point of his pair of his life right now. And so um, that song spoke to me in particular. I'm just interested to hear um, Belly's story and listen to the album. 
I feel I'm, bad for just writing him off like that then. What yeah, what'd you say? <laughs> I feel bad for just writing him off like listen, that. Listen, listen, I think this right. this is like this is definitely his best body of work. Sure. Just off of like running through it. Um I was I didn't skip at all. I hadn't I had no ambition. I was like, oh this is dope. What's the I didn't read the lyrics. I didn't listen to this. Who produced this? Oh, she's actually saying this. I'm mean, let me sit let me actually sit down, like, all right, spend some time with this. I'll check it out. I, I mean, and that and when you when you talk about um Profile writing, right? I mean, you're waiting for something to connect, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, somebody actually pitched me a belly story like a couple months ago, and I, I was like not really that interested. Not based on the fact that I don't like him or anything. I was just like, there's not enough here. Like, you need something connecting. Like, there needs to be some chatter, you know? Um, and, I mean, like you said, it's like now people are talking so yeah. it's like you can go do that story you know and that's a story probably a lot of people not to say they can relate to it but you know there's a lot of fucking immigrants in america mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying During so this period of time you know what i mean like so it's like all right bro let's like let's talk about it mm-hmm. you know and these are the little things you know as belly the character that you suss out of him you pull it out of him and that's how you build a story around them. And that's how you make somebody who is, frankly, a little flat. Mm-hmm. You know, not fat, flat. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like kind of a flat character. That's why nobody's like, right. where's the New York Times story on Belly? Like, there's nothing there. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But you, as a writer, you pull it out and you kind of like bring those things out. And you, you dramatize them and you find a way to hook, you know, hook a whole story around that shit. And you can make him... The fucking next biggest thing ever, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. just a matter of, I mean, he'll do it. Like, that's the gr- the great irony is like, if you ask to do that story, I'm pretty sure he'll do it. Oh, <laughs> He's probably like, yeah, yeah, let's go, man. Let's spend fucking three weeks <laughs> three in uh, weeks. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I've been waiting ten years for somebody to want to do this shit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Sounds like to me, man, he's the one to write it. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty compelling argument. Yeah, I'm spending a week with him, like, hey, you know, first generation. Um, you're immigrant. You move there from Toronto. Let's let's build. Yeah, slink and build. <laughs> right, I feel like that, that's your next story right there. <laughs> we got another last song of the night. It's a uh, channel tray, top down. Let's read song. Top down. Top down. expected from that opening let's yeah yeah um i think i chose this song because it's probably the most song i've played or the song i've played the most over the past three or four months Mm. and um part of it is just i profiled him actually and he was just an interesting dude he's a guy from the hip-hop world who was duckworth's main producer from Mm. from la Mm. 
and um, decided to just like speed the BPMs up a bit and do some house music. Um, he, he decided to do that after he found out his father, who he was estranged from, was from Chicago. And he just decided to dive into the genre after that because uh, Chicago is the birthplace of the genre. Yeah. So to me, he's really dope because he raps over the, the beats and he, he's like a dope MC. He's capable of it. And then also he like takes the grooves, these traditional grooves from house music and bolsters them kind of, makes them really big and shiny. And um, it's kind of like they're the lengths of hip hop tracks. It's like a hip hop track, but it's um, it's to house BPMs. Mm. And, um, I think it's just like immediately captivating. Eric. Who who is the artist again? Channel Trey. Gotcha. It made me want to dance. I like it. <laughs> I thought it was really dope. It, it felt new, felt original. I mean, it's it's cool that there's a backstory too. I mean, talking about hooks and and what makes someone interesting. I mean, having like a crazy life situation, like your estranged father coming back into your life, and then that making you explore your roots. That's immediately interesting to me. So. And yeah, he, you could tell he just he knows how to rap. He can flow over a house beat, which not everyone can do. Have to do, yeah, yeah, stuff. Right, yeah. Now that was fire. Um, I mean, he's from Chicago. Or from Compton, he's actually. From Com- yeah. I mean, but his father, but his, fa- his father is from Chicago. His father's from Chicago. Yeah, because yeah. like, I mean, there's house, and then there's Chicago house, right? right. Which yeah. is two different things, right? Um, and right off the bat, if, with the bass, you do, you know. You're like, oh, that's some Chicago shit, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like the whole thing behind the Kanye and um, Lil Pump. I love it, right? I mean, that's that's a, a classic Cal song that they uh, sampled. Hmm. Um, you guys didn't know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's that's like Kanye on his like Chicago shit. But anyway, um, I mean, that was really. I mean, I like the fact that basically, like the the sort of hip house thing kind of came back in in mm-hmm. let's say two thousand seven, two thousand eight, real like Kid Cudi, you know, era, mm-hmm. um, day and night, and then that became like hipster rap, and then that's been really out for many many years. You've had basically trap music be the sound of music for like since at least. I mean, popularly, at least since 2012, there's been the same exact drum beat and the same exact melody for six years. That's a long fucking time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that was really interesting. It was good to hear like the BPM go up like, oh, wow. You like just going to introduce people to like hipster rap again, people who never even experienced it because generationally... There, you know, the peak age for listening to this shit is like twelve, right? So there's a bunch of kids who don't remember. They, Kid Cudi's like an old school artist. He might as well be fucking, you know, yeah. rock him to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like <laughs> you know, so <laughs> they're gonna hear that. They're just gonna be like, "What the fuck is this? Like, oh, this dance music." They don't even remember that. Like, you know, it's just five years is like an eternity. Six years, sure. yeah, yeah. One one difference I think is that. Cuddy and them went to Europe for those grooves. They went to European house, which is, you know, the same right. drum kick. They they took it from Chicago and Detroit and everything. But Channel Trey, like, is directly pulling from grooves and Chicago records. Yeah. So it feels like there's a level of authenticity and mm. relatability there that's, um, that's kind of new and original. 
Yeah, it was, or I haven't heard was, in a while. It was yeah. really good. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I really enjoy that. I'm from Jersey, so I love hearing house and shit like that, and just get up and dance and while well, do some rap shit over, saying some hood shit over shit. So I'm into it. I'm adding on my playlist. Here's the hot take: When Vic Mensa did "Down on My Luck," he could have just owned hip house right for the rest of his life. <laughs> oh, I love that song. Right? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So far, that left. was it. Yeah. I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah, stick to this, right? That yeah. was bringing back that that blog era. Oh, right. Shit. Yeah. And then he could have just kept with it. In the video. Yep. Oh my god! I was waiting. I was like, yeah, this is it. Yep. But I do like Look at Locker. That's pretty good. Which is not house, but just no. good melodies. It's the Vic Mensa song. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, like, like EDM kind of like killed that whole wave. Yeah, it was like, right. oh wow, like the BPMs. You know, it was a people moved away from that. You know, for a few years, but it might be time to speed it up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, every song is the same song. You know what I'm saying? It's just a fucking preset. You know that, and then they just go on and just do some old gibberish on top of it you know um i mean maybe like takashi is like the only one who's kind of like injected like a little different energy into it um but you see a little bit of difference right with um uh travis scott got a record out now with um so like with quavo Uh, it just came out like two days ago my boy did it he did the taiga taste record um, and it's like that much faster mm-hmm. 808 style. It's like a lot more up tempo, you know, and that seems to be like uh, in now, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like similar drum pattern, but just a lot faster, you know. All right. Um, all right. Let's wrap it up. Do you, uh, I know you have a project coming up, Paul. I don't know if you could talk about it, but anything that you want to plug you just want to talk about any movies that you like recently <laughs> oh man who can yeah. where can people follow into? you um just they can follow me at my name backslash paul canner um p-a-c-a-n-t-o-r yeah yeah p-a-u-l um uh i got a book coming out um not for a while 2020 if i ever finish it um and you know hopefully people buy that um hoping to write some more articles soon um man i'm just out here hustling uh i don't really have anything to promote other than life itself um kind of going back to what eric was talking about in the deep thoughts you know to me like uh what's more important and most important is that people feel good about themselves Mm -hmm. and you know people feel fulfilled and um with whatever their life is if it's good or it's bad it's it's life and you know um everyday breathing is like just a real blessing you know just to even be able to like walk outside and just breathe this is amazing um just the fact that we're sitting here is like incredible we get to sit here talk about fucking music you know and somebody's home right now like preparing to go to work you know which I'm sure we're all about to do when we get the fuck out of here. But but um, it's just like really not something to take for granted, you know, and uh, it's special. You know, so if you have one listener, five million, you know, somebody's tuned the fuck in to hear you talk your little shit, you know, and that's like shouldn't be understated, you know, just to get back to what you were saying earlier. That was beautiful. Amen. Yeah. Nice. Fuck yeah. 
Uh, all right, that was episode six, season two. Yes. Wrap right the show. We'll see you soon. Peace. <laughs>